Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 83. In today's episode, I interview writer and holistic management extraordinaire, Abby Smith. Be sure to stick around for the end of the show to hear about Abby's personal healing journey, what it's like to really live on a ranch, and how you can start to manage your land, no matter what size, more holistically. So another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast, and on the line today, I have Abby Smith. Now, Abby, first question I ask everybody yes. who comes on the show is, tell us about your health journey in 10 sentences or less. Oh, 10 sentences, Nick? Holy smokes. <laughs> I feel like... Do your best. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I could do a, I, I could do a haiku. Um, all right, let me keep it really short and sweet. Um, I, like most people, uh, growing up was really active. I grew up on a ranch, uh, played soccer, really healthy. Um, kind of felt like I could do whatever I want, and my body just was there for me and um, didn't really pay much attention. It was like this thing, you know, beneath my head that just did what I told it to do, and and that was that worked out for a long time. And um, then I was lucky enough to get pregnant with my daughter, and, um, you know, it was the dream of my husband and I to have a little family. And, and then after my daughter was born, um, my health just, uh, my body just, um, rebelled. It, it said, nope, I can't do this anymore. I had uh, autoimmune issues diagnosed with Hashimoto's, um, terrible migraines, and it's been a process of trying to get to the root cause for me. It wasn't enough for me just to patch, so I've been trying to get to the root cause um, mm-hmm. and heal, and just heal, heal, heal. That's my mantra, just heal. And no matter how long it takes, I'm not a patient person, so it's been it's really <laughs> tempting to like just fix it, you know, just give me something to just fix it, and it's prevented. It's totally messed up my hormones that we were not able to um, conceive a second child, which was our you know our dream, and mm-hmm. so it's been in that light, in the face of that, it's been so hard to be really patient, um, but I've had to be because we have to get to the root cause, otherwise. Uh, we won't be on a sustainable path, and and who knows what what we might have introduced. So I don't know if that was ten sentences, but I tried to get the highlights. So. No, and that, <laughs> that's what it's all about. So what I'm curious, then, yeah. what have been some of the, I guess, key points along this healing process, and are there any things that you see in the future where you're really uh, going towards? Yeah, it's it. I, I think it's like a layer, like the onion metaphor, right? You're peeling yeah. back layer after layer, and and the thing about, so I'm on a functional medicine path right now with the, um, the California Center for Functional Medicine. It's run by Chris Kresser and his partner. But I actually work with the, uh, the MD on the team whose her name is Dr. Nett, Dr. Amy Nett. She's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been working with her for two years. Um, I think when I, before um, finding and connecting with Dr. Nett, it was a it was very much a trial and error. So it would be, you know, I'd do some research, I'd read about this, I'd ask my doctor for this type of test, but but I just realized like there were points when I had exhausted the 
the resources in my area. I was from Reno, Nevada, and I'd done everything I could. We, you know, we did. Um, we went to a reproductive endocrinologist. We went to a naturopath, and it was just like people were like, well, you're a special case. I just don't know. And I was like, you know, I've got to take this into my own hands and figure it out myself. And that, I think, was a key point. That milestone was a big shift for me yeah. um, when, you know, like going from not caring about my body, not listening to it at all, just, you know, thinking of it more as a machine to, okay, this is mine. I am owning it. I've got to figure it out myself. And so uh, lots and lots of research, um, lots of, you know, trying to find the person and, and the group that could really help me on this journey and not just uh, push their protocol onto me. Because what I, what I realized going through these different, working with all these different doctors and being that special case that no one could really quite crack, then I, I realized they, they have a series, they have a tool in their, they have tools in their toolbox. And, you know, if, they, if their tools, which are their protocols, fit you, then, then they, you know, that works and that's great and they can solve the mm-hmm. problem. But if, if you have something that's outside the box, it, they're not really interested. It, you know, they'll just continue to throw the same tools at you, even though you don't fit that protocol, if that makes sense. And so what, I, what I'm really looking for is, yeah, what I needed was someone to help me who was willing to more or less experiment. So um, in functional medicine, you if you try one thing, you it's all very, you know, you base it on tests, you're looking at data, and then you see how the body responds, and then you adjust, and then you try something new, and and that you go into it knowing that um, you're going to discover and learn, and, and you may not, this may not be the answer, but it's going to lead you, it's a step toward that, and just having that different framework for thinking through it was so much better, so I think... Um, my shift to functional medicine was another big milestone and and meeting Dr. Nett and starting on that path of, okay, we're going to get to the root, so we're going to heal the gut first. So doing this huge protocol to, you know, and these are months-long protocols to oh, heal the gut. Right. I mean, it's not, like, it's not like I go and I get a prescription and two weeks later, you know, my <laughs> symptoms are gone. <laughs> well, well and that's like part that, of it, like but, you said, this is a month-long protocol or a month-long protocol, yeah. but how long has that yeah. been coming on? Five years, ten years? Like, who knows? <laughs> Yeah, right, exactly. And, I mean, maybe my whole life. And, um, you know, I uncovered so the reason that I uh, – the two things that drove, you know, the symptoms that, that were the indicators of um, my dysfunctional health were, um, one, my hormonal dysregulation, and then the other was uh, very was severe migraines. And I'd gotten migraines mm-hmm. since I was eight years old. And so you think maybe even at that point something was starting to become off, you know, something right. was not right. And um, but they just got so severe that um, I, my husband is a cowboy. He works the he when we were uh, living in Reno, he managed a big ranch out mm-hmm. there, and so he would be gone, gone on the weekends, and I would be with my daughter, and she was little, little tiny, and I was afraid that I couldn't that I would go down with a migraine and I couldn't take care of her because I, I had those debilitating like vomiting, nausea, blind spots. And then two days of feeling like you got hit by a truck, and and I was and I, it just as a mom like for myself I'm like okay I can manage this and I'll I'll just not deal with it that was my my method but as a, <laughs> as, a, as a parent I'm like I, this is not going to work I can't I if I'm if I can't be a good mom to my daughter this is not acceptable to me it's not mm-hmm. acceptable so I'm like I have to, I have to solve this and so I think it was really my daughter another milestone that really uh, really pushed me to like get serious and address this, this, the migraines and address the root causes. And um, so we did, you know, I did a lot of um, cleanses. So then, you know, get, not just like, you know, take the packet of powder, but it was like cutting out all the crap of the, out of the diet and then seeing, you know, adding it slowly back in, seeing what you respond to. And so, um, so I started that process in 2012 and I haven't, so since then, um, I, you know, I cut out, like dairy was a huge trigger for me, gluten ended up mm-hmm. being actually all grain, all grains. And so I, I came to like a, a very paleo diet, but it wasn't intentional. It wasn't like, oh, I, I, I researched this cool new diet and I'm going to try it right. out. It was like, well, shoot, I can't eat grains. I can't eat dairy. <laughs> um, so, so um, then you start, you know, looking for recipes and lo and behold, 
here's all these paleo bloggers who figured it out. And um, when I realized I had Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition, I went even one step further to the autoimmune paleo diet. Mm-hmm. I've been on, I've been, and when I got there, I was so it felt so good that um, I just I've been on a, a version, let's say like my own modified, customized version of the autoimmune paleo diet for three years now. Right. So, so um, yeah, so que- working on the gut health, uh, you know, going from eating a diet of you know, breakfast cereal, that's what I was raised on, right? Like all good kids growing up in the 80s and 90s, they, you know, <laughs> eat a low-fat, high-carb diet and um, loved hot, cold cereal any way you could do it. As long as it was cereal, I was good. And um, to that type of breakfast to now, um, you know, bone broth and meat and <laughs> um, kale, collard greens, you know, for, for breakfast. And uh, so just a total transformation, but but just absolutely so powerful. So I think, you know, diet's so foundational. And um, and then um, through Dr. Nett, we realized that I had uh, lead toxicity. So I had high, high amounts of lead in my system. Mm-hmm. Um, and that when we, and then, so this last year, so right, talk about, so I did two rounds of a lead detox protocol, which is pretty intense. Um, and that one, that was, of all of these things, most of the of the systems that I've adopted, like the you know the diet changes, those have all been really nourishing and uplifting and energizing. The lead detox was hard. That was really yeah. tough. It really you know zaps your energy. Um, but coming out of it has been really um, yeah. This like I've noticed you know my energy has skyrocketed. The migraines have gone are just basically gone, and and so we're you know we're just carefully weeding it out, and now we're really focused on the hormones, and um, I'm doing uh, a chronic inflammatory response syndrome protocol to, to try and address some of these inflammation markers that we keep finding. Um, but, you know, we're looking at such a, a deep, deep level, you know, and trying to really address all of that. So um, the theory is that I had some sort of exposure at some time, obviously, to lead, and then mm-hmm. also to some sort of bi- biotoxin. And um, through all this testing, I know that I have... Uh, Genetically, I just don't detoxify. My body doesn't have a really good detoxification pathway. And so when I'm exposed to things like this, that's why I respond with this chronic inflammation. So there's been, I mean, would I have known that five years ago about myself? Absolutely not. And um, (laughs) (laughs) so so as a a mother, I think that I just feel so much more prepared, not only because I have actually energy again and I have the ability to be a good mom, but I feel like, you know, my my daughter my daughter drinks bone broth, and I, I just feel like that's such an accomplishment as a mom. You know, like yes, I, she's she's eating really healthy food, and and then also um, that if she encounters any of these things, we have a much better system to deal with it than um, than I did. You know, first, and I take full responsibility for that, just being stubborn and not wanting to address the root cause. Um, I feel like I have a better framework to help her, if and anyone else if they ever you know they come across and have to deal with these these um, problems. But I think it comes down to even, like you said, you took your health into your own hands after a couple of years or uh-huh. whatever, whatever it was. Like, okay, there's this certain point where it's kind of draw the line in the sand. It's like, all right, I have to do this for yeah. me. And then I have to do this for my family too because they're going to be yeah. affected. And it goes on and on. It's not just looking at it like, oh, okay, well, maybe somebody else can help me, maybe somebody else can help me. No, you have to find the person that's going to help you. If you don't know exactly what to do yourself, and that's what's the beauty of it. Like you said, you're peeling back the onion each time you're getting closer yeah. and closer to right where you want to be, and it's right. a beautiful thing for you and your family then, too. True. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really true, and I think you're so spot on about finding the person to help you because when you decide to that the traditional – medicine model is not going to serve you like where do i go where i mean and you know you think you hear so many different things i think there's there's people out there that genuinely want to help other people and there's people who just want to take your money and how do you sort through all of that kind of the wild west once you get out of your comfort zone right (laughs) and (laughs) but but i think you you will know and i i think it's really important to do the research and find that person that you resonate with and you believe in because um it can be taking supplements and trying to 
use not use prescription drugs to address your health um, can be really confusing, and, and you can you can do you can lose a lot of time doing trial and error. But I think if you have someone who gives you a framework, and says, okay, we're gonna we're gonna address this, and this is how we're gonna address it, and this is why because of these lab results, and it's all very it's sound. It's based it's still based on data. It's still very very valid. It's not I don't know. Um, anyway, that's just my experience. But I think that it's super important to find someone to work with because you can get so frustrated and so lost really easily. Sorry, I want to kind of switch maybe gears here a little bit. I'm not sure. Um, but I want to ask you about, because where I basically came in contact with you was uh, through the Savory Institute and then talking about like some of your work, the, the Jefferson Center for Holistic Management. Uh, if you want to mind even sharing a little bit about that and also kind of maybe tying that into, like you said, you grew up, on a ranch, and where you guys, where you and your family have kind of come to today uh, with all the holistic uh, land management, all of that, please. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, well, first, it's funny how you can compartmentalize the different parts of your life. So as I'm going through this health journey, um, Spencer and I are really digging in and, and embarking on our journey to start our holistic management business. So mm-hmm. we, you know, so in our business with the Jefferson Center, we um, – we offer holistic management training to uh, land managers and um, land owners and, and anyone really who's interested in holistic management. But the but the reason that that holistic management is important and why why it works, in my opinion, is that it can it's a model for dealing with complex issues. So our complex management situations. So anytime you're dealing with a natural system, you have complexity. It's not it's not a machine. But like like you saying with your body, I mean, you're having to go through yeah. all these different systems. You can't just take the one protocol from the one doctor and say, okay, this is going to fix it. No, because there are so many other things. And really, just nature yeah. in general is the same exact way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so as we're as we're really digging into this, and, and you know, when you teach something, you learn it on a whole new level, right? So we're, <laughs> we're, we're digging into this, I'm like, wow. And then, so I'm looking at the land, I'm looking at, you know, um, our, like we, we raise a lot of our own food. We have a, a, a robust garden. We, we buy a lot of fruits and veggies from our neighbors who are also into local food, and we raise our own meat and hunt our own meat. And so I'm thinking about... Um, you know the land and all the natural systems, and I'm and I'm looking at it through a holistic framework, and I'm like, ah, you know, I really should be looking at my own body in that way, but it's hard because we have these deeply, deeply held paradigms about about how about how things work in the world, and one of those was how my health should work. You know, I believed that I should just I'm an ordinary, healthy, normal person. I've always had normal test results, always been an athlete. You know, normal. And then suddenly I'm like, I'm not normal. And you, it's really hard to deeply, deeply digest that. And what we find with holistic management, too, is it's the same thing, is that what um, what, uh, help, what gives us shape but also holds us back is our is – All right, guys, and we're back. We, uh, we just lost each other there. Uh, Abby, <laughs> if you want to maybe pick up um, – just again, we were kind of in the, in the start of the uh, – talking about the holistic management and – Talking a little bit about yeah. how it integrates health and uh, the land and everything are really not exclusive. Each one, there's so many things relying on each of them. So if you want to kind of pick up there again, yeah. please. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so I was speaking about paradigms, and and I feel like when you when until you make a shift of really looking at things holistically, and that's it's such a hard thing to do, especially in our culture, because everything is is so driven by this desire for efficiency and linear and straight, you know, point A to point B as fast as possible. And um, we, at least I grew up and probably my parents grew up too in an era that really uh, celebrated and um, put like engineering and uh, that kind of thinking and thought process really on a pedestal, right? Better living mm-hmm. through through machines, right? And, right. and uh, that was that was progress. That was, and it's really, it's really hard to, um, root or get down to the level of that paradigm, you know, that's, let's say generations old, and start to loose, loosen that, soften it, and just see that that those are really just one tool in the toolbox that, that you have to affect 
to manage your life or to manage the systems around you and 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 to make decisions and when you make that shift to holism whoa it's it's really big and i, I know that sounds la la but it's not i mean it's just we all have paradigms like <laughs> it's yeah. just and and it's been uh Really, like I think I made that shift much earlier on because I met Alan when I was in college at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, and th- I had everyone has like their Alan moment, you know, where you have your, you're like, whoa, you, you know, you really become inspired and intrigued by holistic management, and so for me it happened at 23. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, I started the the journey um, really young. I went to Africa and studied holistic management, lived with families there who were practicing, and and just I think had such a rich and deep experience early on in a point before I made major decisions in my life that that it's, that I feel like it's been there for me through major decisions. So when I started managing holistically, I was just managing myself, you know, my own decisions and things as a young person. Um, and then my husband, he came into it much later. Um, you know, he has a very traditional uh, ag education in terms of he has an ag business degree from Chico State. You know, it's he's mm-hmm. very much a, a businessman. You know, he's um, it's about return on investment and yield and things like that. And so we would have some really interesting conversations in our early 20s about, um, you know, me with my holistic perspective and his with his the typical mo- excuse me model of ag business, which is yield and how do we feed the world? Like that's the question right. that um, frames a lot of the decisions that get made in ag business. And um, watching him transform and make a shift to holism and really see how things work and have that start to work for him has been phenomenal. And now he's such a soil geek and he's, you know, out there <laughs> with his dung. You know, he, you, you'll go on a walk with him through the pastures and it's just he's on his hands and knees looking for dung beetles and, you know, looking at the soil and smelling the soil and looking at the roots and analyzing it. And it's just like, wow, it's been such a such a transformation. So um, I think that the biggest the biggest shift for people is when they start to see the world as everything connected, really, truly, like the, um, you know, the air we breathe, the people that we live with, the animals that are around us, the soil. And it's just, it's like I said, it's not a foo-foo la-la statement that I, an idea, it's the truth. It's just how mm-hmm. things are. And when you start to acknowledge that and then manage for it, so managing with nature instead of against it, things start to work differently and they they work in in my experience they work better you have a sustainable long-term true wealth that comes from the land and uh so anyway i'm going off in the philosophy so the no, that's our, great. Uh, okay <laughs> we um when i like i said when i i met alan in college studied holistic management in Africa, and when I came back to the United States, I felt like, you know, I I graduated with a degree in animal science and journalism, or, sorry, a minor in journalism from Cal Poly, and I really wanted to write about my experiences in Africa, and I did some. You know, I put some some articles uh, um, in some different publications and things like that, but, but in general, there wasn't reception to it. It was still incredibly fringe. It had its own little box off in the corner, and then the real the real producers were still doing this other stuff over here and, you know, you know, whatever. Well, mm-hmm. you do your thing over there. And so I felt like it was closed door after closed door. And so um, Spencer and I just went on, you know, managing our own lives holistically, and it was a very private affair. And then um, in 2013, when I, when I went to see Alan speak in Chico at an event that Chris Kirsten had put on with Alan and Rob Wolf. Mm-hmm. I I suddenly was like reintroduced to that, and the Savory Institute had a model where people could get involved, and and there was like this opening again where, you know, I and when I heard the model of the hub, their hub network, and how that works and why, I just was very, very in a very grounded way, just completely convinced that that is what we needed to do. Not only we as in my husband and I, um, but then just as uh, people in the world that because we have to work together to make this work because we're all connected, right? And if and Spencer and I could have gone on very happily um, managing our own lives holistically. Maybe he could become accredited in holistic management, offer some courses, manage our own property that way, and we could have had a great life. Like, But when I look at my daughter, I just realize it's not enough. Like, we have to change 
the world and the direction that we're going for her and for all the children of her generation. It's just our responsibility. And I feel that, I feel that just in a very simple and very deep way that, and, and that's where I draw my energy from to do all this crazy stuff that we do. So I can so understand we, that. Um, absolutely. <laughs> right. 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 Like being a parent just changes everything. And, and, I, you know, Spencer and I both grew up on ranches in Northern California, and we had amazing, wonderful childhoods where we, you know, I have I have a deep relationship with with the land and and with animals and community and family because of the way I grew up, and and Spencer too, and those are and we want that for our daughter, and and even in our generation, we're seeing how that that could be slipping away because smaller towns are drying up, the schools are closing, the hospitals are closing. Things are; these communities are are going away, and we need to reverse that trend and reinvest in um, community and family and and like sustainable land. So that's why we decided to start a hub with the Savory Network and or, or throw our hat in to be considered to be a hub um, with the Savory Network because we want we want to revitalize these places that mean so much to us and and have them around for future generations. So so uh, uh, we have the Jefferson Center, which is the savory hub that serves Northern California and Nevada. And the vision of the network is that you have these hubs like ours in, in all over the world. And they're contextually re- relevant. They're locally led. And they um, serve the region with accredited holistic management material. So it's training, implementation support, consulting, whatever might be needed to advance um, holistic management, but not just holistic management for itself, holistic management in order to uh, restore land and and regenerate land. And, and so slavery is very, very tied and connected to the regenerative agriculture movement. And, and it's something that we're really passionate about because, because we believe that is the market incentive and the economic driver of um, sustainable land development and practices. So, um, um, oh, okay. so the network. I was talking about the network. So, yeah, yeah. Um, the, yeah. So then, around the world, there's all these different hubs, and then we're connected by our um, shared vision of a, you know, of, of these outcomes that we want to see on the land. But so it's it's more instead of it's really hard to explain the model because I, it's very entrepreneurial, very cutting edge, and it's very different in the land management space. Uh, typically, agriculture and and land management tend to not be early adopters and not to be an innovative space like other like say in comparison to technology or communication technology that's always iterating and always changing. Mm-hmm. And so to have this model in that space is really, really interesting. And um, it's just, it's more about really being part of a movement. And and be, so we're leading it locally or being part of it locally, but then also you're connected to all these other people in the world and you have access to them and they're your partners in making this happen. And so it it's like this friendship or this camaraderie that I just never have experienced in my life. Like we just didn't grow up in an era where there were movements where people were joining together to create an outcome together and and I think it's uh it's been an amazing amazing thing and I feel like Spencer and I decided to jump into this because we believed in it and we knew it was the right thing not only for our family but for the outcomes we wanted to create with our lives and then it's like once you jump into the stream you are in it and you better paddle fast <laughs> so, so we have been paddling fast, but it's so it's just really exciting. I mean, we we uh, we totally upended our lives in Reno, which we're so comfortable. You know, we had our nice house, we had our ten acres, our horses, our garden. Our daughter was happy; she went to a good school. We had good jobs. You know, everything was very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And for for us, like in our early thirties, we felt like, okay, if we don't leap now and go after the world we really want, we're just going to stay comfortable. For, for the rest of it, you know, if you make that habit and you choose comfort, that's what it's going to be. And so we jumped and um, moved back to the ranch that he grew up on up here in uh, Modoc County. And his parents were amazing enough to open their lives to this venture of ours. 
And so Spencer and his dad now manage the ranch together, manage completely holistically. We have our grazing plan. We have our financial plan. The ranch is also certified organic, so we take in um, pasture cattle. We do contract grazing with um, people who need to be on organic ranches because they have organic products. Mm-hmm. And we relocated to a tiny little town, which we love, and uh, moved our, you know, obviously our daughter and everything and changed our lifestyle to do this. Um, and then when the Savory Institute opened up the position of the network coordinator, I, again, had to jump for that because, not because I, because I, not because I wanted to on any superficial level, but because I truly believe in the network approach and I feel like I, this is just my work. I need to do this. And so, uh, so I serve from the tiny little town of Fort Bidwell in far northern California. I serve as the global network coordinator for the Savory Institute and then also I, we run our own hub here. So we're deeply, deeply immersed in holistic management. Have you had me ready to go out and get at least like 10 acres of land right now? Get, get, get some animals. No, and, and I really do mean that. Like, this is something that it, it's one of those like, and that's really kind of why I reached out uh, to the Savory Institute yeah. in general because I'm so intrigued by this. Like, I yeah. I like having some local farmers and stuff that I would love to be able to to spend basically my days out uh, with yeah. the animals outside, like, and, and really just helping not only the animals but the earth and those around me and everything. And I think that's just such a beautiful thing uh, to know, mm-hmm. hey, where your food is coming from. Know that you're not only helping out you, your family, the small community around you, but globally having this impact to just cut down on so many of the uh, ill effects, if you will, of uh, commercial farming. Uh, it's it's yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is a beautiful thing, and it's so energizing and rewarding. You know, you think because you do work really hard, you know, when you're, when you have animals and you, you have land, like you're going a lot. And especially if you, you know, like, like you probably know when you get into making and preserving your own food, you know, that you're doing a lot of work, but, but it's so energizing because you feel like you're part of something that's real and it matters and it's, it, you can just feel it. It's just, it's so different, as you know, to go out to your garden I mean, just as a simple example, and just mm-hmm. pick tomatoes and, and make a nice tomato salad. And the taste of that compared to a <laughs> tomato that you buy, in, oh, there's no comparison, right? I mean, there's just, and it's, it, though that, that like flavor, if you will, really transcends to all parts of life. Like it's just, it's a rich, rich life, I think. So of course I want you to go get your animals. And <laughs> I think it's, no, I wouldn't stop you. Yeah. I, I really am curious because this is something I'm just starting to look into. I mean, my wife and I, yeah, we have right now only like a quarter acre. Like we live in a smaller neighborhood, but we do want to uh, move within the next probably like two to four years or so. I mean, before probably my son starts school because we want to kind of get him in the school that he's going to be in. So he's not going to be moving yep. around like crazy. But yep. for somebody looking like that, wh- where do you start? Where do you recommend? I mean, what are kind of like the basic maybe resources that people really need to look into as far as also uh, maybe resources like online resources to read, but also what do they need to look at? Like do they need an acre or two? Do they need 20 acres, 30 acres? Like what is the almost the beginning point? Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's going to change depending on what people want to do with it. But yeah. There are a lot of people that really just like that idea of being able to grow at least the food for their own families. Totally, totally. And it's amazing what you can do on a tiny amount of acreage. So I don't – and I thought that too. You know, I thought that we had to have a huge ranch to to be able to really manage holistically. You know, and I really thought that. Mm -hmm. Even, even as you know, four or five years ago I thought that. And um, the more that we learn about soil health and productivity and – and and also holistic management. I mean, it really doesn't size doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. And so I have. I mean, all of holistic management. And I just have to say this because I know I know you're driving it more detail and something deeper. But I, I feel like I have to start here in that all of holistic management is is rooted and guided by a holistic context. And so that's a it's a statement. It's a it's words on paper or words on you know 
a computer screen if you do that right. that that you write down and um it it has well it used to have three sections but now it has two so you have a quality of life statement and a future resource base and the whoever the the decision makers are of the whole they write this together so um so I have my own holistic context for my myself um I have mm-hmm. one and I have one as a couple we have one for the Jefferson Center and we have one for the Springs Ranch and you might think oh my gosh that's so many contexts how how are you but they all you know they all are connected and they all have the same core values but the the point of it is is that you write down and really deeply think about and commit to the the most deeply held values that you have so those paradigms you surfacing those and then um and then you describe in the future resource base what the the land and your community must look like in order to sustain that quality of life that you want and so you have to think really deeply and sometimes they can be super simple statements like we know um a, a friend or colleague of ours in California has one line and it's his quality of life is i want to feel peaceful so what you do with this context or with this statement is that when you go to make your decisions about how much acreage you have, do you want to get animals, do you, what do you want to do, you, you make those decisions within the context of the life that you want, not in reaction to a problem, because that's our typical decision making, like, like, oh no, the, you know, the house, um, the house has a, a leak in the roof, I have to fix the leak or I have to move, or, you know, so you're making decisions based on a problem. Whereas mm-hmm. in holistic management, you want to be making your decisions, especially those that significantly advance your life or move you towards a milestone, you want to be making those in the context of the quality of life that you want so that you're considering all those factors and, and moving it along together. So so what what we always say in holistic management is it depends on your context, right? So if yeah. um, however, you know, however much land that you think you need Depends on, well, do you have another job that's going to take your time and attention? Um, does, is the rest of your family into it? Do they want the same thing? Do they want to be spending their free time and stuff out on the land, you know, getting their hands dirty, um, doing those kind of things? Like, so those, those, all those social factors weigh into it, economic factors weigh into it. But in terms of, like, just looking at productivity, we like to think of it as going deep instead of broad. So, you, you know, if you take what you have and you, um, really focus on enhancing the productivity of that. It's just we just don't know the limits. I, I really think it's boundless. I mean, how how do we know if we if we increase the health of, and the nutrients in the soil, and then you know you can grow so much more in a tiny space if you have if you have good healthy soil and um, animals can definitely be part of that. Like we're working on a um, a hub in Arizona. One of our, they're about to come online as a fully accredited hub, but they are, their demonstration site is an acre lot in the city of Phoenix. And so, That's especially, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're, it's so cute. Their grazing plan is their chickens. So the chickens move, right? So instead of plotting mm-hmm. the graze, the grazing moves of, um, cattle or sheep or some, some other large, a, um, animal or hooved animal, it's just these little chickens moving around. And yeah. absolutely that works. I mean, you, there you've got eggs, you've got meat, um, you have something to, you know, eat scraps from the garden and from the kitchen, and, and you have this zero-waste cycle, which to mm-hmm. me I just love. Like, I just love, that's what I love about natural systems, that there isn't waste in the sense of something that's not used and just sits there and, and takes up space. I mean, everything can be recycled, and um, that's, just, that's just beautiful to me. I just love that idea. And um, so I think that that vision of, of a, a really interconnected system that's very productive can be can be achieved on any scale. You just have to get really in tune with your environment and and your area. And so, what can you grow? What what does it make sense? Like um, here in Fort Bidwell, I'm not going to be planting any avocado trees. I can promise you that. Like that would just, <laughs> that would not <laughs> would not grow. So this is not um, the Southern we, California people are thinking of. <laughs> no, 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 no. Definitely not. But it's amazing what can grow and. Um, you know, getting in touch with, you know, either people who have that deeper expertise in the area. Like, we're lucky here in Fort Bidwell, there's a lot of people who are really interested in local food and, and having a secure food system. And so um, there's, you know, we have a lot of hoop houses to extend our season because we're in a pretty mm-hmm. in a pretty short growing season. We're up in the mountains. and um, But there's people that have that expertise um so once you have your context and you know, your holistic context and you know what you want and you're using the, 
decision-making process and planning, you can you can inject that with all sorts of knowledge and data and research, and you should, because holistic management is really that framework. And then, like I said, within it, it just it leads you towards the life that you truly, truly desire. So you, yeah, anyway, we could go on and on about that. <laughs> no, no, no that, that's great. And I, I think that gives people a lot of context, too. And, and it was kind of the answer I expected, too. It was, there's no, <laughs> you can't give an answer to it, almost. Uh, it's going to depend right. on everybody's circumstances, what they would want to be putting into it, uh, right. how much financially they're willing to invest, time-wise they're willing to invest, and so on and so right. forth. Uh, no, right. So I think that really covers that very well. Yeah, and the truth is, is and the beauty, beauty of, like, not being able to answer it directly is there's really no wrong answer. And mm-hmm. and so and that's the that's the thing that we like we all have to get used to with with dealing with complex systems and even our our own selves is that there isn't um, it's not a recipe it's not a formula and we're so used to formulas you know I think we're trained in school even that you know there's a there's a process you put something in you spit something out and it's nice and clean and and you just you do X Y and Z and you get the results you want and. It's just not that way. You know, like real life just isn't that way and uh definitely managing holistically isn't isn't a isn't a recipe. Well and I think it comes back to talking about like your health journey early on a couple of minutes ago on the show when we were talking like you said, you, you, you went to some of these doctors and they were just trying to give you that basically simple cooking cutter recipe and when it didn't work, they said, Okay, now what? Well it's the same thing exactly. here. There's not going to be that only one thing that is going to work for everybody. Each of us is going to have yeah. to find what works for us exactly. That's so true. That is so true. And unfortunately, it's not a, a super sexy answer, but it's the truth, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, Abby, I'm curious, because I was reading uh, some of the articles that you wrote then, too. What is it... What is your, I guess, passion when it comes to writing? Because your writing is just done so beautifully. Is that something that you really studied and tried to hone in on? Uh, because I think it's just an awesome way to express yourself, too. Oh, no, thank you so much. I um, I have always just loved writing. It's been, it's more therapeutic for me than anything. And it, it just seems like, uh, I don't know, just like we're talking about natural systems and processes. I feel like, like for me, that's just the natural process of things that you you take you seek out and then you take in adventures and experiences and then and then what do you do with them? Do you hold them inside? Do they just sit there? Do you just let them blow away? And for me, the the answer to that of what you do with your learnings and your life experiences is you write about them and that's how you process it. And so for me, it's 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 just what you do. I mean, just what I should do with, with what mm-hmm. I've learned and what I've experienced. And so um, I started writing at a really early age. Like my grandmother taught me to journal. So I she bought me my first journal at six. And I've always kept a journal. So I have in my mom's room, my home, my room back at my parents' house. I have like this bookshelf of journals. I'm like, what am I going to do with all those? But, <laughs> but I think um, writing is something that, that has to be done that frequently. You know, you it's really a... Uh, a daily type process where you're you're digesting experiences and events, and um, so for me it's a really natural outlet, and I and I enjoy it. I also feel like uh, it's important for Spencer and I in this time in the business to really chronicle what we're learning and and share that with others because it's with the beauty of technology as a tool is that especially communication technology is it allows us to connect with people that we would have never been able to meet otherwise. And I, I love that about writing, and so I feel like if we can combine those two, you know, putting writing on that kind of a platform and and within this movement of holistic management, it's the best way to genuinely connect with people because I don't, I just don't know how in writing to not bear your soul, you know, so this is really, mm-hmm. it's, and and I feel like if we can connect with other people who feel the same way or uh, want the same outcomes and the world that's that's going to make it better for all of us to connect. So, Abby, I'm curious about some of your daily routines. I guess because you you live on a ranch, and I I think most people, at least in in my world, kind of think people are getting up, they're going to work, they have these kind of set routines. Now, how does that look like 
for you or your family, uh, or maybe what does your perfect day look like, whichever one you kind of want to share there, because I'm curious how that looks, having to raise the animals, having the land to take care of, as well as still uh, your family and so on and so forth. Sure, totally. Well, I think that, um, yeah, this is, I, I love, I'm, um, my husband would tell you I'm very type A, so I love schedules, routines, to-do lists, you know. <laughs> I, I love, so I'm like, yes, let's talk about this. Um, so uh, the thing about managing holistically or managing in a regenerative system is that you let a lot of natural systems do their thing. So you're not, mm-hmm. you know, I think we have this this image of the American farmer that's, you know, come up through um, literature and stories from the Dust Bowl and in different migrations and things like that of, like, this, person who just works their fingers to the bone and they're exhausted and they're a little bit poor and they're just, you know, everything bad happens to them, but they're strong and they have this amazing pioneer spirit, that kind of thing. Like we have this, this archetype of the, the farmer, you know, and um, yeah, absolutely. I think there's, there are days when I feel exactly like that. I'll be honest with you, exactly <laughs> like that. But, um, but that's really not the reality. And especially when you're, you're farming in a, like I said, in a regenerative way, um, that natural systems do their thing, and you're really a facilitator of those systems. And so there isn't – you don't have to labor the way that people think you do. I mean, granted, it's hard work, and, and you kind of have to love working and love the land to do that. But um, I, I've seen um, Gabe Brown. I don't know if you've heard of Gabe Brown. He's a pretty famous farmer in the farmer space in, from South mm-hmm. from North Dakota. And um, he's he's become really the – you know the uh, the spokesperson for uh, soil friendly farming, let's say, okay. and um, he he spoke at one of our events last year, and and uh, he's just like my husband's absolute superstar. So for you know Gabe Brown, oh my goodness! So to have him here was just amazing. So Gabe's a super <laughs> funny guy. He's just he he's a farmer, and he's 100 percent a farmer, but he's a great presenter too, and. Mm-hmm. So he has this picture uh, in one of his presentations of his son out um, during calving season. Now, for ranchers, calving season is the time when you never sleep. You're working all day, all night, because cows are going to have babies all night and day, right? And so usually, right, with current production, we have these really, um, typically in commercial operations, very tight time frame when cattle are are calving. So you're going to have 300, 1,000 head of cattle have their babies in like a three-month window or even shorter. <laughs> and, so, right? and so when you're on the calving crew, you're going all the time. So so it's just no, like calving season is just ugh, it's sleepless. So so then there's this picture that Gabe has of his son during calving season. He's sitting out like in his shorts in a lawn chair in the field with the cows like taking a nap. And and, and I just love that because it's so, it's so counter to, you know, what other ranchers know as calving season. And it's because you're working with natural systems, right? You're you're facilitating these things, and and so again with holistic management, um, if spending time together as a family is really important, if taking off a couple afternoons in the, uh, a week in the summer to go fishing is really important because you want that time with your kids, you build that into your grazing plan, you build that into your business model. All of that, the social is not separate from the business, and you you build it all together so that you can have the lifestyle that you want. Um, so long way to getting back to what our schedule looks like. Um, it's very, again, if you're working with nature, it's going to be very seasonal. It's going to change on the season. Mm-hmm. So um, summers are a time of high productivity for us. That's our growing season. So mm-hmm. not only do we have long long days, warm weather, it's also when the grass is growing. So the cattle are going to be moving faster because you're keeping up with the growth when you're doing your moves, and um, typically, at least in our place. And um, so... Those days, yeah, we're, I mean, sometimes I get up really early anyway. My typical, I usually wake up between 4 and 5 in the morning uh, mm-hmm. because I'm a morning, per, I'm just a morning person. So, um, but in the summertime, you know, he's gone at daylight and, and off um, at the ranch. And um, I stay back with my daughter and we, you know, take care of the stuff at the house. We'll do the chickens, you know, feed the chickens and mm-hmm. take care of the animals around the house and stuff. And then, and then we'll head down to the ranch and, um, given that I, you know, I have the savory job, then I then I go to the office. I have a lot of time in front of the computer, just like most people do, in um, in our world. And but what I what I love about being on the ranch is as soon as like 
I can set the hours of my day. So yesterday I literally started, I was at the office at 5 in the morning. I started work, but I was done at 2. And mm-hmm. and then I'm there when my daughter gets home. She's off the bus, and um, she's 6 years old. She's in first grade. So what we try and do in the summer as well when she's off of school is that we have our afternoons on the ranch. So we'll be in the garden. We'll be out checking the cows. We'll be together on the ranch. And then, like, the days that we move the cattle, then we're all – horseback we're riding together but those are like you know that's not every day it's usually when we have to do a big move or things like that so um we something are definitely morning people and i think that that helps you know and, and you're going to work <laughs> a lot <laughs> just a lot with uh, um because the, you know the animals it doesn't matter what time of day or what season it is if it's a blizzard or if it's hot it doesn't they still have to be taken care of and um right. and you just but it, but it's not like I said. It doesn't have to be this backbreaking um, vision that people have of farming. No, and thank you for sharing that because, as you said, uh, I think coming into it like the archetype, yes, and that's yeah generally where people think of as a farmer. But you right. have to you fitting it to your lifestyle, and you guys are doing uh, what sounds to be an awesome job, and I'm sure an ever changing. Uh, Thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always mm-hmm. going to you're always going to be adapting to it. The more you learn, the more yeah. you practice it. So that that is just awesome to hear. Uh, Abby, a couple minutes left here. One of the last questions I always ask somebody who comes on the show is, who would you want to hear on the podcast, and what would what would be the question you would either want to ask them, or just what would you want to hear them talk about in general? Mm, that's a great question on the podcast. Um, I. You know, just being in the health space and um, having to do a lot of my own research, I'm, I'm not thinking of a person, but I think the category would obviously be something in the um, in the health world because I think there needs to be so much more information about that. And um, I think given my challenges with fertility and mm-hmm. hormonal dysregulation, I think that that needs to be talked about a lot more. I think that um, having gone through this, um, this process myself, I realized how, especially among women, um, that it's just not talked about, that so many people struggle with fertility. I, I can't tell you the number of my own friends who are mm-hmm. either seeking fertility treatment, not getting pregnant when they want to be, whatever it may be, um, and it's, it's increasing. The number of people that are having problems, I feel it's just, it, I mean, and this is my anecdotal experience, you know, based on what Yeah, but I feel like, you know, it'll come up in conversation with, oh, yeah, that happened to me or that happened to someone I know or my sister or something. Like, it's so, but yet it's never talked about. And and my friend and I were talking about this the other day, and um, the things that you have to go through in order to solve this, not only, you know, trying to understand your own self, which was my journey, but if you are going to go through some sort of procedure like IVF or anything, the, what you have to expose your body to is just un, it's a it's amazing like it, you can't believe what some women go through and I feel like that needs to be talked about a lot more in an open and healthy and nurturing way um, mm-hmm. and I think that there's something to talk about deeply held beliefs and paradigms and that um, you know think of all the things that you tie to fertility as a woman you know that's your identity right I mean I you bear life you. And I think even if you don't want to be a mom, there's still something about um, the idea of fertility that's very, um, it's empowering and it's, it's part of your identity. And, and yet when you lose that or that's somehow compromised, what does that mean for you? And so I know that's not super health-related, but it is, it's all tied together, right, in your um, emotional health and physical health and everything. And um, I don't, you know, and I wish, and that, I guess that's my question is who is the right person to really talk about that and bring on the show and have that have that that um, space where women can feel that that it's okay to talk about their struggles and to to find solace in each other as they face those struggles. I don't know who the right person is. I mean, maybe that person still needs to come forth. But um, there's a lot of uh, there are a lot of of people emerging. I think around that topic, and um, I really like Krista Areccio. She's from San Diego. She does the whole journey. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so I think I would really like to hear more from her. Um, I think she's really positive, really open, and, and does a lot of fertility work 
Um, but maybe there's someone else too. But anyway, that's that's my thing. Is like I just feel that that's there's so many people that are suppressing their feelings, suppressing their experiences because it's shameful. Because to not be fertile is somehow to not be a woman. And I think that that's that's just fundamentally not true. And then also I think that we can make so much so much progress and help so many people if we can start to address it uh, in a community setting. I, 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 I don't have much to add to that because I, I just absolutely <laughs> agree. No, no, and thank you. Uh, I appreciate you sharing uh, about yeah. your journey on that, though, as well, because that's that's what it's about, though, too, is, yes. it, like you said, it's the N equals one, but everybody is still an individual. So no matter what it comes yeah. down to, fertility is still going to come down to the individual person uh, or couple, mm-hmm. I should say, uh, yeah. because that's what it's about is them getting together, doing what they need to, each the man and woman, to each of them has uh-huh. to do, uh, to become as fertile as possible and just hopefully uh, achieve their dreams with that then too. So, no, thank you for sharing yeah. that. I'll, I'll definitely have to reach out. Krista was on my radar, uh, and I'm going to see. I'm going to just look around too because I'm sure there are lots yeah. of people that are helping share uh, what they've done, what's helped for them, and to really help get that uh, message out there. Uh, but right. Abby, in closing, where, where can the listeners find more about you? Where can they go? to check out some of what you guys are working on there uh, and just to help spread the message about all all of this that we've talked about today. Yeah, totally. Well, I just want to say thank you first. I I just feel you're just a great interviewer, and I felt, you know, I felt like I was talking to a friend. And, and thank you for the work that you do. I know that podcasts and all of this outreach work is not easy. It takes a lot of investment of time, and, and you do it really well. And I just thank you for the work that you do, genuinely. Thank you. And yeah, and so for us, I think that um, to find us, we our website is jeffersonhub.com. Uh, Jefferson is J-E-F-F-E-R-S-O-N-H-U-B.com, so like Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson and I'll, make sure, I'll get all this in the hub. show notes, too, in case people are wondering, like, hey, where do I go, just so they can click yeah. and go then, too. Totally, totally. And then we have um, we have an event coming up in Chico at Chico State University on November 4th which will be a big gathering um, focused on regenerative agriculture and how we can create a marketplace for regenerative products in our region. So we have um, great partners on that, like Dr. Bronner's and Kiss the Ground. Kiss the Ground is another amazing organization. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they no, um, advocate. Yeah, they um, they advocate for uh, soil as a climate solution, so mm-hmm. as a carbon sink and, and um, doing really great work. So Obviously, we're in line with that as well. So, um, awesome. Dr. Bronner's, yeah, Kiss the Ground, Country Natural Beef, this amazing um, growers cooperative, Alexander Eco Dairy. All of us are coming together to create this event at Chico State on November 4th, and we call it Grazing for Change. So, you can go to grazingforchange.com to learn more about that event and, um, I don't know, it, hopefully attend. It would be great. Um, but if not, that's, that's fine, too. It's going to be really great. So Grazing for Change, Jefferson Hub, and then the overall savory um, work can be found at savory.global. Perfect. I'll make sure I have yes. all the links for all that so everybody can go check it out. Hey, if anybody's in yes. and around Chico or wants to get out there, uh, make sure you go check this out because it is going to be fantastic. But in general, yeah, go check out all these other things, Jefferson Hub. Save Global, everybody there doing some fantastic work. Abby, thank you again so much for your time. This has been just such an awesome talk. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free. So thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. So thank you. Mm-hmm.